To the ether. Today is Thursday, June 8th, 2023. Today on the ether, episode one of the Interchain Builders Club, featuring Archway and ONS, or ONS. Let's take a listen. Hello, everybody, and welcome to our Twitter spaces with ONS and Archway. My name is Galen here on the Axelar Ecosystem account. Uh, if you don't already follow the Axelar Ecosystem account, now is a good time to do that. We'll be on in just a moment with speakers from Omnichain Name Service and from Archway. All right. Well, I think we've got a couple more people to bring on, but it looks like we've got our first speakers in the room. I see a couple folks from ONS, Omnichain Name Service. Very excited to hear what ONS is going to have to say. Uh, and I see Jason from the Axelar team. So, Jason, if you want to get this thing started and begin... Um, diving into it with the uh with the ons team i think we can kick this thing off yeah sounds great hey everyone thanks for joining us today um uh, before we kick off why don't we just do a round of quick intros um i'm jason i'm on the bd team here at axler focusing on DeFi. we also have yorgos who's axler's co-founder i'll pass it to you yorgos to introduce yourself hey everyone i see we have a few communities today excited to meet everyone um co-founder of uh, of axler um technical background um I did my degrees in computer science at MIT. I was part of the founding team at Algorand before Axelar and been building secure infrastructure in the space for about six, seven years now. Um, I think before we kick this off, just to give a quick uh, overview of Axelar for people who don't know, uh, Axelar is, is the first decentralized interoperability platform. Uh, Axelar passes messages across different chains and allows developers to leverage this message passing protocol to build interchain applications on top. Um, the same way that, uh, you know, a, la a layer one ecosystem bootstraps its ecosystem by building a DEX, by building like a, a money market, like naming services. Uh, this is a very similar approach we are taking with Axelar, where we allow developers to build cross-chain DEXs. Uh, Squid is one such example, cross-chain uh, money markets like Prime, Protocol, or, or Cidro. And uh, in this case, we have, uh, you know, ONS, which is the Omnichain naming service that is a cross-chain ONS, uh, a cross-chain ENS, and can be integrated on, uh, on every chain, right? So I'm uh, really happy to, like, finally be able to announce uh, the work that Julian and the rest of the team have been doing in public, and uh, maybe I'll pass it to them to say a little bit more about the project and uh, what are the implications for interchain and for user experience, and there's many, many important implications. Thanks for that intro, Yorgos. Yeah, ONS is, as mentioned, uh, Omnichain Name Service. It's really allowing users to have a single name that they can use across all of uh, their Web3 experiences. Uh, really, it was only possible thanks to some of the technology that Axelar has developed with uh, cross-chain communication, general message passing, and really accessing a variety of different chains from a single kind of hub and spoke model that Axelar has. 
So uh, our approach here is to make the whole user interface a lot more uh, easy to flow, um, the experience really to be more seamless than it has been. Um, right now, if a user wants to connect to different Cosmos chains, different EVM chains, you know, they have to deal with not one or two wallets, you have to deal with multiple different address types, and then really able to solve that is what we're aiming for. So having a single name that can resolve all of those different addresses, and then being able to share that with your friends, being able to share that with your colleagues, uh, with whoever you're working with, um, it really makes that experience a lot simpler. So it's what we've been aiming for. Um, I myself have been in crypto space since 2017, have been helping with different projects, building things out, and really excited to see what the future of uh, interoperability can be done with Axelar and ONS. Um, Andrew, not sure if you want to speak at all or just can take it myself. Oh, hey, everyone. Yeah, sure. I'll give an introduction. I'm Andrew um, Ori on Twitter. I'm a CTO co-founder of ONS. Um, and just want to plus one to everything that Julian said. I've just been a great uh, supporter and our kind of vision is trying to unify the global namespace um, and just try and connect more people uh, to different environments all under one umbrella name. ONS is the way to do it. Sounds great, guys. Thanks for the overview. So, you know, I'd love to learn a little bit more about how this all started, right? You know, I think for most of us are all familiar with ENS. That was kind of the, the original name service. And then that, of course, grew in popularity and we saw more and more different naming services, some of them even like multi-chain. And I think this is a direct result of what we've kind of predicted here on the Axler side for many years ago, which is that we're going to see more and more fragmentation in the blockchain space. But yeah, tell us a little bit more. Like, how did you guys want to build this thing? What's, your, what's the origin story? We'd love to learn a little bit more. Yeah, no, uh, great segue. I think, uh, as mentioned, we've all been in the space for quite some time playing with ENS, multiple name services. Um, I've been exploring multiple different chains. I get, think uh, for a while now, I've been very like multi-chain maxi. I don't, I don't think there's like one chain to rule them all. Um, even with Ethereum, you have multiple rollups to solve scalability. Uh, and the biggest issue I found is like, I can't just take what I did on one chain and just port it over to the other. Um, with ENS, I couldn't just use my ENS on Arbitrum or take it over to Cosmos and use it there. Like there's just no simple way to bridge that uh, interactive kind of side to it and that, that whole user experience side. If I had developed a persona on Ethereum, I couldn't just transport it over and then use it on uh, Kujira on, or Osmosis or even go to something as simple as Matic that one would say, oh, it's you know EVM, it's pretty uh, compatible, but it, it, you just didn't have that direct interaction. Um, so kind of building from that, we really wanted to, build something that we could actually share with, whether it's our, our friends, our even parents, you know, people that aren't technical, you're not going to be sharing a 65 character address, uh, 64 character, um, you know, to say, hey, just send me a message at OX, one, two, three, whatever. And then, you know, you can't really just do that if you want to onboard the next billion users, if you want to onboard your friend, like you Maybe you want to send them an NFT because that's their first experience in crypto and you're just going to send them an NFT on Polygon. Uh, you can't do that if they have to solve, you know, how do they manage their different addresses? Um, so really trying to improve the experience being in the space for so long, it, it was a focus on 
what can we do to make that experience better? What can we do so that users don't have to be worried about the chain that they started on? And then, you know, if they started on ETH, they got an ENS, but now really they want to explore Cosmos and use Secret Network, or they want to use Gujira, or they want to use, you know, something like Osmosis or Terra even, you know, why do they have to lose that initial kind of integration they had with their ENS kind of create a whole new one on this new chain why can't they just have the same name that they use across multiple different uh landscapes and really bring that identity with them wherever they go so really we're looking for how can we improve the space on the user side but also on the experience kind of for everyone's side so that's that's kind of where it was born on how can we create this uh kind of product that not only helps us as a kind of power user in the space, but it also helps onboard our friends, our family, or anyone else that we think might find this useful or entertaining to like play around with. Makes sense. I mean, this is a use case that we're really passionate about here at Axler, because as you mentioned, in down the line to onboard next billion users, right? As we have thousands and thousands of chains, we this the need for a unified name service becomes greater, right? And you really need a kind of uh, interoperability solution like Axler that covers all these chains to make it happen. So, you know, speaking of interoperability solutions and infrastructure, how did you guys choose to build on Axler? You know, we're aware of there's many uh, players in the space with very different value propositions. Keen to learn more how you ended up deciding to build on Axler. Yeah, it's a great question. As you mentioned, there's there's multiple like other cross-chain uh, solutions out there. I think the biggest thing for us was finding out what can we actually use that one is going to scale and one can be have a proper solution that is cheaper uh, and more efficient for the end user. So like with Axlar, you can have scalability on, you know, you're already solving scalability by onboarding different blockchains, 30 plus blockchains connect to Axelar. GMP is going not only from EVM, but Cosmos and just going EVM to Cosmos, to Polkadot, to other ecosystems. Um, so that's already one side that's being solved and having access to GMP is huge. Uh, but then really what just completely transformed us was the Axelar virtual machine. And that really solves the, the whole uh, kind of home chain hub and spoke thesis on being able to have a place where you can actually aggregate data, get all the information on one chain. And then from that single hub, you can go to every other uh, blockchain. So really having that hub, hub and spoke thesis, the hub of the Axelar virtual machine allows us to cut costs of the initial approach we had, for example, was you have to send a contract and launch a contract and de- deploy an updated contract every time someone mints on every chain that you're live. And that gets extremely expensive when a user you know, uh, wants to deploy on 30 different chains and enable their name to work on 30 different chains. Um, at first, it kind of makes sense if you have, you know, just Arbitrum and Optimism. So you can kind of make uh, a transaction go through and you're only paying a couple cents on each. But then as you start onboarding more chains, you want to include Ethereum, you want to include other chains that can be more expensive, or even just having 30 chains that each costs seven cents each gets just really expensive and unscalable. And if you really want to onboard users, you can't be charging fees upwards of $20 just to register a name and add metadata to it. So Again, going back to the Axelar uh, virtual machine, you can have all of that data stored on the Axelar virtual machine. It remains on chain. 
but you don't actually need to deploy it absolutely everywhere. And even if you do, you can kind of batch it from the virtual machine, use the Maestro contracts and actually deploy everywhere on a single batch rather than individually per name that you do. So the scalability that Axelar allows is just something that is really awesome um, to be able to play around with and to like grow with. Yeah, I'd love to hear it. I mean, you know, we built Axelar virtual machine for the exact reasons that you mentioned, right? Like to give some more context there is, from a lot of these cross-chain, natively cross-chain projects that's building on Axler, the feedback we heard from all our builders was that they were spending up to 70 to 80% of the time deploying and managing the application across various different chains, rather than you know spending that time writing out core logic and really innovating on their core application. So we really developed the Axler virtual machine to make developers' lives easier when building interchain. And by the way, that will be coming out in Q3 of this year. So for any other builders out there that's thinking of building natively interesting applications, do check it out. Julian, a question I have, you know, as a user of ENS and some of these other name services is that, you know, will I have to, will it be compatible with my existing name services such as ENS or, and is it ICNS in, in Cosmos? Or how should I think about it? Because, you know, when I think of name services, right, it's really about driving adoption and having lots of people use it. And I think if you're able to be compatible with some of these existing name services, that would help you guys acquire a lot of users. Love to learn more on that. Yeah, no, that's definitely a great question. I think we agree on the side that there, there's a lot of name services out there and we didn't come at this, uh, we didn't approach this kind of just softly. We've definitely been looking at how can we solve not only compatibility, but the fragmentation of the space? And that, that's really been one of the bigger issues we've seen. It's like, I, I've talked to people that have five different names because they use five different chains and they had to like mint that name five times. And then how can they have compatibility on another chain if they want to go use it? Do they have to mint a completely different chain uh, name for that? So one is compatibility and one is fragmentation. Really, we're trying to solve for both. Uh, with ONS, what we're building essentially is infrastructure for name services in general. So what a name service is, kind of taking a step back, is really just metadata that you tie from an address to a, kind of a database of what that address resolves to or represents. So you can kind of tie anything to it. Um, in terms of compatibility, it's relatively easy to say, you know, JSON.eth also ties to JSON.ohm. Or, you know, uh, JSON.stars also ties to JSON.ohm. So you can actually tie all those other names to the one. And then ONS essentially behaves as an umbrella of name services that kind of encapsulates everything beneath it and really allows for anyone to tie existing names with it, but then also make it go kind of omni-chain and really allow for that. And that's something we've also worked on. You know, can you also make an ENS resolve on you know, osmosis, for example, or resolve on, you know, other Cosmos chains, uh, not only have it be like ETH, but you can also take that ENS and make it work everywhere. So it's part of what we're solving. It's not only that interoperability, but also, you know, the one name doesn't have to be tied to that uh, chain anymore. And it's really more the building blocks for name services so that you can have that user experience improve overall. Got it. Makes sense. So, you know, one of the projects that's been really popular that's trying to solve a similar issue is, I believe, it's called Space ID. And Space ID, I think they're currently 
a name service that has like .eth, .bme, and .arb with you know plans to potentially um, expand to other chains. What would you say are the key differences of ONS versus something like Space ID that's you know multi-chain? Yeah, that's definitely a great question. So um, Space ID, as far as I understand, they essentially aggregate other name services and kind of tie them together um, to access kind of this multi-chain approach. Really, they're just aggregating existing name services and, and tying them together in a way so that they can kind of compile them. So they're, they're kind of a, a one inch of name services to a certain extent. Um, something that ONS has that would be completely unique to it is the ability to mint anywhere and then resolve everywhere. So it doesn't matter if you are starting on Ethereum and you mint your name on Ethereum, you can later go use it on Osmosis or on Kajira or any other chain um, that you want to use. But you don't have to be tied to minting it on Ethereum. If you want to mint it on Polygon, for example, or you want to mint it on Arbitrum, or even minting it on osmosis or avalanche. It doesn't matter where you start your journey or where you end your journey, or even where you kind of go during your journey. You can kind of have that interoperability from the beginning and then towards the end. So the kind of the biggest difference there is we're not really aggregating other name services. As mentioned earlier, you can tie other name services in. It's really just a metadata that ends up resolving to the one name. But in the end, we're allowing you to kind of be everywhere uh, all at once to a certain extent. Got it. That's super cool. You know, at Axelor, one of the most often questions we get is, what is, you know, how, what is the difference between multi-chain versus, you know, interchain or omni-chain? And it's very similar, I think, to what you described, right? When a project is multi-chain, an example like Aave, they have standalone deployments on multiple chains. But these deployments don't actually, you know, speak to each other. They can't send messages back and forth. Versus when you use an interoperability solution like Axelor, with our message passing, you're able to call contracts and pass payloads between all of the chains that we support. Hence, you're able to create these like really natively interchain projects where it's seamless for users to move assets or uh, send messages across these different chains. So Julian, you know, I'd love to learn a little bit more about where you are with your roadmap. Like, we all heard how like the, what you guys are building, and we think it's super cool. So when can we try, like you know try it out for ourselves? Yeah, that's a, a great question. Again, I think um, in terms of roadmap, that the biggest thing right now we just finished a hackathon where we deployed a lot of stuff to testnet. Um, we are using a couple different uh, uh, chains on that testnet, and. Um, in terms of next steps, I think the biggest thing is being able to actually deploy on the Axelar virtual machine. So as you mentioned, we're a little tied to that. So Q3 is uh, kind of what we're looking at for something that people can play around with, mostly just tied to the Axelar virtual machine and being able to deploy there. Awesome. Um, I think we're coming close to time. So should we take some questions from the audience, Galen, or how do you want to do this? Yeah, I think, look, anybody uh, wants to ask a question, please just raise your hand anytime. I think we can find a way to to slot you in. So if the the, uh, the team from ONS is saying something and you want to um, double tap on that and, and learn a little more, please do uh, raise your hand, uh, ask to speak. We'll get you up here on stage and see if we can get the um, get the question answered here. Uh, you know, with that said, anybody right now who wants to chime in, um, open floor and um, – you know, Jason, uh, you know, carry on and, and um, carry on the conversation and I'll keep an eye out here and see if uh, if we can get some uh, crowd participation in the mix. 
Uh, yeah, honestly, it's been really nice. Just I know we're up here, but hearing this from you guys, there's efficiency and specialization, and everything Axlar is doing for inter, uh, interchain connectivity is huge. It's really going to empower, and we'll talk Archway in a bit. We're really going to empower a lot of what we want to do with Archway and the uh, ability for applications to reach end users, which is the eventual bridge that we all need to cross to keep this all working. So glad you guys are handling it. Yeah, personally, I actually love having both ONS and Archway on the AMA. Uh, from it just feels like um, if you're looking at sort of fr from the ground up on an L1, you know, building um, building in an interchain way, uh, and then you know, sort of building sort of these uh, fundamental services that are needed, right? Also, it's kind of a it's it's a very it's a kind of very peanut butter and jelly type of situation, right? It's very complimentary. So I'm glad to have both you guys on here. Yeah, IBC enables a lot of really cool freedom, but it's not necessarily efficient freedom. So I've always kind of been jealous about how how structured things are with just like a real air chain on Polkadot. And Axelar is really just solving all this for, for everybody. And uh, you guys deserve a lot more credit than you're getting. That's very kind of you, Eric. <laughs> we're very excited about what we're building and we have a lot more exciting stuff uh, coming on. You know, one of the things I'm really excited about is the interchain token that we're launching in uh, mid-July. And for all of those of you who don't know, the interchain token is a tool that allows even someone who's not a developer either create a new omnichain token or make an existing one omnichain. And what do we mean by omnichain? Is that this token could be deployed on any of the chains that Axler supports in a few clicks. They would they could have the same token address, and they would be fungible across chains. So they wouldn't you know have carry the kind of bridge risk that you have when you use a traditional token bridge where you lock the asset and then mint a wrap version, but then you always have that chance of it being to pay. You'd be minting native assets on these chains. So, you know, the interchain future is really coming soon. And for anyone that's planning to launch a, a token, definitely keep an eye out for it. So speaking of a token, Julian, are there plans for a token for ONS? When token? Yeah, it's it's the, the primary question in crypto, isn't it? Um, I think the our priority is definitely on solving interoperability and kind of names. Uh, it's it's complicated enough to solve minting on 30 different chains and solving like the different standards for NFTs on 30 different chains. Uh, I think we, we jumped the gun on assuming Cosmos had an NFT standard and they actually don't. So uh, having like a standard for that so that you, people can mint and then migrate an NFT that represents their ownership of the name across Cosmos is complicated enough to then think of uh, tokens themselves. So um, tokens not a priority. Um, at the moment, priority is definitely like building out the product that users can interact with. Good answer. I mean, Jason, like ONS is building, you know, for billions of people, right? Not just for the digits. We are starting with the digits. They're really good at it. But, you know, at the end of the day, we're building for, you know, our moms and dads. So I guess to the ONS team, like one last question from me. Uh, how does ONS help a regular user like my mom interact with the blockchain? Like, can you walk us through like a simple user user journey for such a user? Yeah, I think that user journey is definitely something that we've we've tried to prioritize. Um, I see Kudo in the audience, and he, he's done an amazing job with the user flow on how can you how can a user that doesn't have experience with crypto just go through minting a name and then being able to use that. So our focus is how can you simplify that so that um, any user with low experience with crypto can simply connect a wallet, mint a name, tie that name directly from the mint. The moment you mint, you can tie that name to your address 
make it your resolving name or kind of set it as your primary in a sense. And then that name is now kind of your, your go-to. Um, so kind of moving past that, we can take that so much further from like, from the moment you onboard, you can use something like XDeFi wallet to make your first wallet. And then when you fund that with something like Cato, you mint your name and now your name is part of like that onboarding process through whether it's XDeFi and Cato to do that. If you are, you know, a user that now has a wallet and now you just want to have a name, the flow is as simple as, you know, searching a name, uh, buying the name. And at and the moment you buy, you set it as your primary. And now that name kind of works to resolve kind of everywhere. Uh, then that name, you can kind of share it with anyone and people can send you funds. Uh, really, again, solving kind of that interchain side because we are building interchain, you can do really fun stuff like using Squid on the back end of a name transfer. So if uh, you know you're using only Arbitrum for some reason, because you're a DGen and you're just going bananas on all the DeFi stuff there, you can set stuff like uh, resolving to Arbitrum or set stuff like a home chain for a name. And that's stuff we can do down the line once you build all of the structure of the actual uh, ENS and uh, Axlar virtual machine structure but when you have the building blocks you can actually abstract the technology that is what chain people are on and really make it more about the application that people want to use or what they want to do so it's it's going kind of back to the web 2 style of people don't really need to care what type of ip they're connected to what type of internet like nowadays people don't know what internet they're connected to they just kind of connect to the internet they google something and they're done um few users actually look into the VPN and look into like what network they're using. So that's kind of what we're aiming for is abstracting the blockchain tech and making it more about the user and the application that they want to use. That's amazing. And I can definitely imagine that when ONS launches, we'll have a few users who just try to hold all the big names. So I think it would be interesting if we can somehow like map people's tweeters or something so that, you know, Small brains like me can, can get some of the, the good usernames in the early days, right? So I'm sure you've thought about that, but we'll definitely need some, uh, some spam protection, given all you're building. Uh, Jason, I don't know if we have anything else from our side or we want to pass it to Archway. No, that's all. Thank you so much for coming, uh, Julian and Andrew. It's great to have you guys on and learn more about the amazing things you guys are building at ONS. Everyone will surely be keeping an eye out for you guys. Um, with that said, I'll pass it to you, Eric. I'd love to learn a little bit more about Archway and please introduce yourself. Thanks, man. Um, yeah, a couple of us are up here. I'm Eric. I'm the tokenomics lead for PhiLabs, uh, but I, uh, I'm, I'm out and about around here as well. I'm also building some applications on Archway, just around in the ecosystem. Max is the real OG around here. Hey, and yeah, I'm, I'm Max or CryptoChem, as, as most people probably recognize me as. Yeah, I, I lead the business development side for PhiLabs, um, who's a core contributor to Archway. So been a, been along for the ride for quite a while and uh, excited that we're getting closer to mainnet. Happy to be up here. Thanks for joining us, guys. So Archway, there, you guys have been making a lot of buzz lately. I had a few friends uh, ping me the other day and said, what is Archway? I heard they're doing an airdrop. <laughs> so tell me a little, more, a little bit more about what is Archway doing to be the value capture chain? Yeah, so, I mean, I briefly mentioned that there's efficiency and specialization. You guys are absolutely slaying it with connecting all of the interchain. But one thing that's grotesquely missing in this adoption space is kind of like a, a business layer. 
And uh, what, what we see of like Ethereum is Ethereum follows like the fat protocol thesis where applications on Ethereum make Ethereum rich, but they're really struggling. And then you move somewhere else and it's like uh, on like Cosmos chains for say, like you can build an application, but now the chain and the application are, are struggling because nobody's really capturing value except for stakers, but they can't even make what's they're staking really worth something. And so we're doing a, a pretty novel approach kind of based on Ethereum's EIP 1559 similarly, but then while you're burning only half the gas uh, fees, we're also giving the other half of gas fees plus part of inflation, plus setting like a, a like a contract paywall, basically, we call them a contract premium, where you can have these like um, customizable business models built into your application so that we can support startups, not only from the security uh, side, as well as supporting them with our with our vast many different teams, just part of Phylabs and other external partners uh, to bootstrap their startups. Um, but make their startups profitable uh, directly as well. So really trying to add this this business layer that can enable startups to not only run cheaply, but also to run profitably so that they can scale. Um, Did I hear the word profit? Are we still in crypto? Dude, I've seen so much crap, like so many pitches and whatnot of groups like, oh, we can do this, this, and this. And they don't even like talk about like revenue and have no means of getting potential revenue. Um, like it, <laughs> at the end of the day, yeah, community is great, but this has to replace business in some way, shape or form. And right now uh, everyone's just kind of building something inside their own closed doors and like kind of proof of concepts that have no way of reaching global adoption. And somebody has got to bridge that gap. And that's one reason we really like working with you guys is you guys are doing everything to make that available and we can help leverage and use you guys and what you're doing to then make it actual and, and to really activate that and to get that directly so that users can be using crypto and not even know it. And uh, and using businesses that run on crypto that have higher margins that are much safer to use and actually decentralized and have it be seamless. And just to quickly piggyback off of what Eric said too is, you mentioned we mentioned the value capture chain. I think it's important to understand when we say value capture, we're, we're speaking from the perspective of like a builder or a developer, right? Like that is one of the big issues right now when when Eric talks about business model is that you create this product. But with the FAT protocol thesis, typically, the value you actually create from your product is accrued at that layer one level, um, which doesn't really align the incentives with builders, right? Like they're, they're not really incentivized to continue to build um, and maintain a product if they're not actually receiving the value that it's creating. So that's kind of where Archway is trying to step in and kind of change that paradigm is providing these, these value capture mechanisms built into the protocol that allow you to kind of distribute that value that's normally accrued at the layer one back to the actual application layer um, where it's being created. And therefore, builders and developers can capture their own value directly um, rather than just receiving indirect benefits um, from their app bringing activity to the network. Yeah, we, we see a lot of people going, pursuing grants, getting grants, building out MVPs. They're not actually making long-term revenue from it. So now they're like, well, crap, we need to pay our team let's go find another grant somewhere else and build an MVP of something else. And nothing's actually growing out to adoption or sustainability. And we're changing that. That is super cool, guys. And I think this is a serious problem that many builders are facing. You know, but one of the things that come to mind is after speaking with many applications, right? A lot of these applications, particularly large, large ones, think about going to Cosmos to build their own app chain for that exact reason, to capture more value. So if I'm a builder or application, why should I choose Archway versus building on a Cosmos app chain or some other type of app chain? And I, I can start here and then I'll kind of pass it off to Eric. 
But I guess high level, it really just comes down to to cost and coordination, in my opinion. Um, to your point, building an app chain does allow your product to capture probably the most value. Um, but that doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to be profitable. For example, the, the cost of running a layer one um, is a lot more expensive than most people realize. There's a lot of infrastructure costs um, and just overall overhead that needs to be covered um, when operating a layer one. And on top of that, there's an intense amount of coordination that needs to happen um, all the way from your validator set to the core engineers um, who are going to be building and maintaining the protocol um, and, and so on. So I would say the the largest reason a developer would want to come to somewhere like Archway is to avoid having to um, basically shoulder those costs of running a layer one and the infrastructure um, and having to coordinate a validator set and maintenance of the chain. And really what they can focus on is building their application and creating the best possible user experience, um, the best possible a user interface for the users, um, which should be the, the core focus of someone building an application rather than worrying about the backend infrastructure and maintenance that's happening. Yeah, um, 100%. In the econ paper we released pretty recently, I go into like kind of a mock cost benefit analysis of running an app chain. It is people don't recognize how expensive it is. The whole reason mesh security and ICS security is being pushed is because they're trying to minimize the really high expense that running your own blockchain is. And most people are doing this to then have still well over 99% of block space be unused. So you're spending a millions of dollars. I think in my cost benefit analysis, I put it about 3.5 million, very conservative estimate in one year, just to run this application chain, just to still only use a fraction of the block space when they're, the margin of returns uh, for, uh, for the sovereignty that you're getting for having your own app chain are really, really low. Like it's not actually much better than you could do by having an already well integrated and maintained blockchain. There's efficiency and specialization, get your security as well as all the integrations that come with it, as well as all of the wallets, um, as well as all of the custom user base already built in with it. And with what we have set up as the value capture chain, every single application on Archway already is incentivized for the other applications to succeed because every transaction that happens on a different app is still burning Arch, making your Arch that you're receiving from your rewards more valuable. So you already have this custom built community. You already have uh, direct mobile integration through the ArchX wallet directly to people where they can be trading on their phones. You already have these built in fee grants. And so unless you need like an incredible amount of gas usage, which nobody's really using right now anyways, or you need one second block times, which most people are spending on app chains with the same block time anyways, then it really doesn't make sense to hire on an additional four to seven people to then spend, I don't know, a million, $2 million uh, running the infrastructure to have your own blockchain, just use a little bit of block space. It, it just doesn't make sense. Yeah, I mean, th these are super compelling points, right? I mean, from an Axler perspective, what a lot of people don't know about Axler is that Axler is an app chain, right? We're built using Cosmos SDK. Um, so we're a blockchain ourselves. And with that, we have you know a validator set of currently 75 validators. And it took us a long time and a lot of energy to bootstrap the network, right? Versus many of the other interoperability solutions, they're more so just an application. They were able to go to market much faster and they have lower costs. But you know, for us, it made sense because decentralization and security is just so critical in the interoperability space. But I think, for like you said, the majority of applications, particularly the ones that are not mature, app chains are just not feasible, right? Economically, um, and the effort and time it takes to actually do it is just way too way too long. So, with that said, who are like some of the ideal applications or projects that you want to be seeing building on Archway? 
Uh, so first, yeah, you're right. It does make sense for you guys, but it's also not mutually exclusive. Like somebody can launch as an app and then once they do scale to that, spin up an app chain and you can have it bootstrapped with ICS or mesh security. Like all of this is available to everybody. You don't have to force the high expenses. You can actually scale and grow like a normal business. But uh, yeah, for all what we want to see here, like Archway is a general purpose permissionless layer one. So we want to see everything. We want GameFi, we want DeFi, we want DAO tooling, we want NFTs, and we have all of this being built out already. And anything that you see, or at least most things you see out as app chains already in the Cosmos ecosystem, and if they're apps you like, you should be questioning like, huh, how much are they spending right now? And why couldn't they just be on Archway? Because a lot of them could be. And unless they're, again, using more block space than Uniswap, uh, they really don't need their own app chain, at least at this time. But eventually, when we do have the 50 million, 100 million people using Cosmos tech, then we will have a bunch of app chains. And with what Axelar is providing, and with IBC, we really have infinite horizontal scaling through app chains. And that's where RJ kind of becomes this like idea of this DAP launchpad, right? Like it's it's a place where applications can go early on to bootstrap and, and prove out product market fit and prove out they have a strong user base and traction before actually spinning off into their own sovereign layer one, um, where you're now entering a whole new gamut of costs and responsibilities. So to, to Eric's point, Archway can be that middle ground, um, but it can also be a place where you just build your application and let it live because Cosmos does have the ability to scale um, you know, magnitudes from where we are now, but we just don't even have close to the demand. So the idea of having all these sovereign uh, app chains right now just seems like a bad decision from a strictly a cost benefit analysis for most chains. And that's where Archway can kind of compete and offer this platform that will actually incentivize the dApps to build on top of us because they are bringing the value that that's ultimately going to um, bring value to the Arch token. So we see the apps and the app layer as where the values should be created. Um, and so you should incentivize that layer because that's ultimately what's going to be um, underlying value for the Arch token. Um, and I think that's kind of a change from how we're currently seeing it. For example, with with ICS, you're actually paying a fee to the Atom stakers to use that security. Um, with, with Archway, it's almost the exact opposite. We're going to pay you to build on our chain because we think you're creating the value, um, not the layer one. Yeah, I mean, that makes a ton of sense, guys. You, you know, but as you said, you know, one of the common complaints we hear about Cosmos is that it is less connected to the EVM world, right? So it is harder to, for the users to onboard to Cosmos. There isn't as much liquidity which is why at Axler, we were really excited when we launched EVM to Cosmos message passing uh, a few weeks back. You know, that was really, from our perspective, a historic moment for the Cosmos ecosystem where many of our Cosmos partners participated and you know, are, have already started building these more seamless application that really brings EVM and Cosmos together. So that like, you know, if you're a retail user, you wouldn't even really care and really have more of this chain agnostic ex experience. Love to little, hear a little bit more about how like Archway is thinking about like interoperability, building with Axler, maybe even EVM Cosmos message passing. Um, yeah, tell us a little bit more about what you're planning. Uh, yeah, so first off, that is awesome. And we absolutely do need that seamlessness, uh, which is again, one of the reasons we're here and enjoy working with you guys. Um, a lot of what we see is, is having ourselves 
our, our focus be this interoperability place where we have the integrations, we have the community, we have the ease of use for end users. So we're not actually limited to applications that are built out and use Blockspace on Archway, although there are built-in incentives for that, but especially as we plan to grow and scale. But now other app chains that do make sense to be app chains or just at least choose to can still utilize what Archway offers for composable business models by having Archway be a profitable access point where they can just put a contract premium on the initiation there. It uses Axelar, it uses IBC to uh, interchain accounts to then go and take take care of the data storage, take care of the um, of the smart contracts wherever they're hosted. But now users can just access every app, not caring what chain they're on, directly through their one single mobile wallet uh, for Archway. Um, and it, it doesn't it doesn't really matter where else. All all they know is like, huh. They can either pay to have a separate integration, pay to have a different wallet and have a whole bunch of confusion to go and have the right to use your chain to not have economic um, uh, motivations, or you can just eh, charge everybody five cents and access it through Archway and cover everything else behind the scenes. Got it. Guys, so you know, if I was an application uh, developer today, right, I understand the value capture piece about Archway and how it just creates kind of that flywheel effect. But it, it's also true that there are so many new blockchains out there, right? Whether it's like Sui or Aptos, Say is about to launch. It, it just feels like there's so many new chains with so many narratives. And if I'm a builder, right, what would you what would be something that else that I should know in addition to the value capture that should convince me to come build on Archway? Do you guys have any programs to bootstrap liquidity or bootstrap the network? Love to learn more. So yeah, we do definitely have different programs um, that we're building up to help kind of bootstrap liquidity and, and and incentivize users. But I think another big thing that just differentiates Archway from some some of the other chains you had mentioned is obviously the value capture mechanisms are are a huge piece of what I think uh, makes Archway valuable. It really does give developers more flexibility and a way to capture more value than they would have on really any other chain. But what we're also trying to do just pro provide a framework that is economically sustainable so that builders can build their applications without worrying about fighting against the tokenomics of the layer one. Um, we've kind of seen that in the cosmos where some of these layer ones are set up with you know high inflation or, or very like, front-loaded emissions. Um, and that causes a misalignment quite a bit with, with teams. Um, and it also creates this downward price pressure where um, if your whole ecosystem relies on this this native token and your grants are paid in this native token and it's inflating at a high rate, um, you're now diluting everybody. You're diluting your stakers, you're diluting your builders, um, and you're just just diluting your vote power in general if you don't have a hundred percent stake. So to me, just providing a framework like Archway that has a fixed inflation rate um, that's going to be having a counterinflationary mechanism similar to uh, EIP fifteen fifty nine to create this you know, low inflationary envir environment, or shall we say low net inflationary environment um, that is sustainable so that, so that applications can build and earn value and that value you will retain um, instead of being diluted. So it's kind of a, it's, it's a multi-pronged kind of view, I guess. But what, what I would say is that there's a difference between one having a, a sustainable economic model, but then also providing mechanisms to create value for the applications. So those are two separate problems I think Archway solves um, that many chains right now, especially in the Cosmos, suffer from, which is uh, poor tokenomics or potentially um, just not having a sustainable model uh, at the core framework. 
Got it, guys. Some some very exciting stuff coming up. So other than the airdrop, what should be some of the other things that we should be on the lookout for? What's on your roadmap and what should we expect? Go for it, Max. Yeah, okay. Um, so obviously we have the airdrop coming up. We have a few other things. So right now we actually have this, our smart contract hackathon um, that kicked off on June 1st. Uh, originally we had it set to end on June 15th but we're extending the deadline to June 23rd. Um, and there's 500,000 Arch tokens that will be awarded um, in this hackathon. So I'd say, make sure to check that out. Um, we're just looking to get the community more engaged and, and coming up with unique use cases um, for uh, smart contracts that could be deployed on Archway given uh, the unique kind of incentive structure. Um, so check that out. Um, we also have our public sale coming up on June 15th is when it will kick off and that will be hosted by CoinList. Um, and I guess I should mention, this is all being done by the Archway Foundation. Um, we're part of the Phi Labs team, but just trying to get everyone up to date with what's going on in the full ecosystem. Um, so that public sale kicks off on the 15th and then we're heading to mainnet starting in early July. So we'll be kicking off mainnet right around the beginning of July, which will roll us into um, kind of the conference season. So we'll be out in Berlin for um, HackWasm and AwesomeWasm, and then in Paris for uh, ECC, as well as I believe OsmoCon and Nebular Summit will be happening at that same time, which we plan to attend, um, and then Cosmoverse as well. So a lot of conferences coming up, um, and then we have a few big events, including Mainnet in the next, I'd say, 30 to 40 days. And, and also while, while Archway is earning this value through activity that takes place on chain, uh, we, we're pretty clear in the airdrop that it, it, it'll, or in the allocation paper about the airdrop, that we'll have airdrops in waves and we'll be looking to incentivize usage of things on chain. So with our uh, launch, we'll also see the launch of quite a few new and novel applications that are built with sustainability in mind that we encourage checking out on, but also understand that it's very likely for there to be some kind of incentives and bootstrapping in place for early adopters of the Archway protocol. Yep, and then I guess one more thing to add is just we our testnet is live, and we do have quite a few apps that are um, up and, and running on the testnet. So keep an eye out. We should have some announcements coming out soon, hopefully, um, with some links and just kind of showcasing some of the apps that are available right now um, that you can go test out. Very cool. Um, what are some of the apps that uh, people should be aware of and try out? Is there anything like people can try out today? Yeah, th there's quite a few. Um, I would say right now we're trying to get the applications coordinated on the testnet to make sure that they're comfortable with with the um, where everything's at. So we'll be tweeting out official links uh, shortly here. But I'd say a few of the apps in general that that are building that are are ready to go. We have quite a few DeFi applications. Um, some that may, may be familiar with already, like Astro Vault. Um, Eric actually on the call is is one of the core contributors to Astro Vault, which is a um, Dex AMM with some 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 unique use cases, um, not just for Archway but in general for AMMs. I think it's a, a fresh look at how to operate a Dex and AMM. So that one's exciting. Um, on the DeFi side, we we also have a product called High Yield, which is going to be tokenizing real world assets and and creating different um, in, investment or yield strategies using um, real-world yield-bearing assets like treasuries um, and, and things like that. A um, few NFT marketplaces uh, we have on the 
on the rise. So one is a more of a native one called Architect. Um, that one is going to be very much aligned with kind of the Archway branding. Um, they are their own team, but but they're going to be kind of that Architect brand where you can build an NFT collection and a DAO simultaneously. Um, we also have Velocity X, which is another NFT marketplace um, that will allow you to create custom collections um, and buy and sell. Um, and then some unique uh, NFTs, just use case in general, like stakeable NFTs that can earn yield from um, transactions. So that's something that Evolve NFT is working on. Um, and then Peepapo is working on NFT ticketing platform. Um, they they did a testnet in, uh, or incentivized testnet mint for their um, silver ticket, which minted out 10,000 um, NFTs. And so that will have some sort of tie into mainnet product. They have not mentioned what that will be yet, um, but that that was kind of a cool uh, app to play around with. And then we have um, liquid staking platforms and then quite a few other just kind of uh, unique tools and other minor apps um, that, that are being built out that we'll be showcasing over the next couple of weeks. But yeah, the ecosystem is coming together. Yeah, two other things I'd like to highlight. One, referring to the NFTs right now you're seeing in the Ethereum space and whatnot, like NFTs were promised to be perpetual rewarding and have the artists own their stuff. And you have uh, built-in royalties. However, people realize with escrow transfer services, you can just totally bypass that, those royalties. So that's happening all the time. With what Archway enables with their composable um, uh, with their composable contract premium or basically contract paywall, is NFT platforms can actually charge equal on the transfer as they would on the royalties to stop that bypassing where artists can actually um, realize the promises that they were given with Web3. But then also something really unique to Archway that we like seeing built out is referrals as a service, uh, which um, enables the contract premium to be called by whichever UI is basically referring to this contract. And now you can um, build out contracts like it's already tough to monetize public goods or infrastructure, which Archway enables, but this specifically enables you to have um, big contracts in place and whatnot that other apps can use or even other people can host the UIs for if you want like geofence out the United States or something. And then they can earn revenue just for hosting that for you, which is uh, pretty novel and unique to Archway. Very cool. It sounds like you have one application on every interesting vertical. So I think that will give people something to engage with. For, for quite some time. And uh, then we'll also be very interesting to see how these applications compose with each other and come up with interesting collaborations. So yeah, I guess everyone keep an eye out for the on the Archway Twitter. I'm sure they'll have a lot of interesting stuff to and, announce and, over the coming months. And I actually did have one more I wanted to mention um, is Archax. So the reason I wanted to mention this is because I think starting today, they're actually kicking off their alpha testing. So Archax is a native mobile wallet that will be supporting Archway. Um, we kind of taken the stance that, you know, we have tons of uh, browser extension wallets and we know that we'll have support for that day one. But one thing that the entire space has kind of neglected a bit is the mobile side of, of the whole Web3 space. And so we really wanted to make sure that from the start that we were allowing mobile users to have access to not only, you know, interacting with the blockchain, but also with the applications directly. Um, most users are on mobile, especially once you get out into some of the more developing countries. So we want to make sure that everyone had the same ability to access applications, access the chain. Um, so we've really emphasized um, getting a mobile support ready for day one. And the uh, the team behind Archax has done a great job with that. Um, they've worked directly with the applications so that they can uh, integrate the apps directly into their wallet rather than just doing like a browser injection. Um, so they're really focused on not only the 
the experience from a UX, but also making sure the UI is very easy to follow and, and a new user could easily start using the chain or using an application um, without having to go through um, the standard kind of process of, of setting up all these different you know, applications, browser extension, import your seed to get started in an ecosystem. So really excited for, for ArchX's product and make sure to sign up for that beta so you can test it out as well. I believe they have iOS and um, Android support already. So yeah, give it a shot, uh, provide some feedback and, and who knows, maybe there'll be some future incentives tied to, to the early adopters and to people who helped us uh, get some feedback. Yeah, that's, that's a big problem uh, that you're solving with ArtsX. With those wallets usually, what we've seen is that users don't want to have like wallet specific right to, to a chain. They want to have access like to order their application and have their keys in a single place. So is ArtsX specific to Artsway? Or are there plans like to extend it to, to be a universal wallet, but just bootstrapping it through some of your applications? So, so at least initially, it's going to be Archway focused um, only. And that's just so that we can, like you said, basically create a seamless um, interactions between the users and the applications directly from the wallet. So from there, they're, they're going to be able to access you know, any of their addresses um, on Archway. And then they can also... Uh, directly use or interact with the apps that are hosted on Archway. Um, I believe over time they they fully intend to include um, more chains um, and make it so that it's it's connected to the full IBC um, kind of realm, so that you can a user could could use this wallet um, and never have to actually leave it if they wanted to do some cross chain type transactions or, or IBC some tokens over. So I know that's on the roadmap, but um, at least initially it'll be Archway focused. Okay. Yeah, I can also see like a nice synergy with uh, with ONS here. So let's definitely connect the teams. Will do. I, I, they'll be happy to hear that. So I'll pass that along. All right, guys. Well, this has been an amazing conversation, and thanks so much for joining us. Um, I know we have only two minutes left. Does anyone in the audience have some questions for the Archway team? No. Don't be shy. <laughs> yeah, and I guess while we wait, if if there are no questions, I would just say. Um, anyone who's listening and is interested in, in learning more about Archway, just make sure to join uh, our Discord and our Telegram. Um, that's probably where most of the information will be funneled through. And also make sure to follow the main account um, that is up on the stage with us. Uh, th that's probably the best place to go for any sort of updates on, on Archway as we approach mainnet. And of course, feel free to reach out uh, and DM myself or Eric or anyone on the team at uh, Labs if you have any questions or want to get a hold of someone. Um, yeah, and if you guys are building anything and you're curious what things would look like or wanted to see some sims to like do some cost-benefit analyses, I, uh, we do a public tokenomics call every Friday at 4.30 UTC. If you guys want to hop in there, we followed up with some Pictionary and some fun community time, but uh, we'll be live tomorrow. We did get one question. Looks like a hand raised here from Driftless Crypto. Hey, guys. Driftless. Can you hear me? Loud and clear. Yeah, man. Hey, listen, I, I wish I had a great question for you. But you guys are flying at another level. I just wanted to compliment everyone on this call because it gives me a great deal of <clears throat> like uh, excitement about things going on with Archway, Axel, all, all the projects you're doing, and the Cosmos in general. So thank you for all you do. Really appreciate it. Great, great work you guys are doing. And I'll, I'll, I'll get to reading the docs, man. Lots, lots to do. Thank you. Love to hear. first off, I appreciate that it means a lot, and also would love to hear your feedback on the docs. We just updated those recently. Um, 
there's quite a bit of information in there, but we also think it's it's very important to to provide as much context as you can, um, so people can fully understand you know the reasoning behind the decisions we made and, and what drove us to to this design that is now Archway. You guys are very professional, and uh, at least from what I can see, I just just met you, but I'm really impressed with you with all with everyone. Awesome, thanks, Driftless. I think we're I think we're about at time, so I guess we'll wrap it up here. Um, Archway, thanks a lot, both of you guys, for joining the call. It's uh, great to learn more about what you're doing there, kind of uh, get a little bit beneath the surface level. And um, Jason and Yorgos, thanks for for moderating and getting good questions in. I think we we learned a lot. We were able to learn a lot more. Uh, by the way, we were able to dig in here. Oh, and us as well. I see some of the team there is still on. So thanks for for telling us more about Omnichain name service and what you're building there. I feel like um, we have a couple of great, um, you know, kind of building blocks for, for interchain dApps here. Uh, so anybody who, who wants to learn more about any of these projects, of course, you can follow the accounts right here from the space. Uh, this is the Axelar ecosystem account hosting. And, you know, this is a great place to go just to get a steady feed of <clears throat> projects of, of all sizes that are building with Axelar uh, into the interchain. Um, so yeah, uh, once again, just thanks everybody for joining. Thanks for the questions and um, looking forward to doing more of these as we move along. Hey, thanks for having us on. Uh, I know us on the Archway team are very excited to be working with Axelar and excited to be talking to the community about what we're building. So looking forward to doing this again sometime. Going to be a fun next couple months. All right. Well, thanks everybody. Thanks for checking out another episode of the Ether. That was episode one of the Interchain Builders Club an AMA with Archway and Ons, recorded on Thursday, June 8th, 2023. For TerraSpaces.org, I'm Finn. Thanks for listening. If you want to keep listening, head on over to TerraSpaces.org slash donate and show some support now. in like Taoism, there's this principle in like Taoism where it's like the more you fight something, the more like the opposite of what you want, like just inevitably it kind of starts to happen. There's this principle in like Taoism where it's like the more you fight something, the more like the opposite of what you want, inevitably it kind of starts to happen. Chirping on the bird app, listening to nerds laugh, wondering why the fuck my timeline's so cursed. It's like everybody's holding heavy bags in Web3. That's why they can't fly. They just drowning in the bird bath, fishing for some dry powder. Watch how we ignite the tower. Blowing up their bank accounts, forgetting how to fight the power. Y'all don't even realize how deep this shit goes. They preach an open sauce, but don't listen to the code. And now it's mutiny, community uprise. There's no more humility, futility, plus size. Motherfuckers leaking from the wrench down to the bare metal. Which side the line you bleeding out on when the dust settles? Motherfucking Side shit, needle and noose Sticking with my armory Yam, Beto and Bruce Repping psychedelic artistry Believing the truth Like these motherfuckers Even need a reason to sue GM fam Really worth all the effort? Is it really worth all the fighting? Is it really worth all the drama? And the answer I think is a clear no we started using Zoom, now we finna zoom out Teaching all these plebidites what this game's really all about Little baby bitches when they choose to have fits All you're left with is kibble when you lose all them bits And that kibble's just sawdust, The shit is all rust Not a great look, you're what we call all nuts And I for 
one did not see that coming Cracking open books, yo, that's a lot of money Meanwhile, over here, rewiring features More critical thinking, less knee-jerk More evolution, less shitcoin preachers Pretending to be teachers, y'all just predatory leeches I mean, please, just look at the track record A bunch of VC rap fucks Sucking up the cheddar, the recipe is two steps Rinse and repeat, now we all in your butts And we bring in receipts GM fam, have a seat. If you're listening to this, my, my plea to you, you would be like, don't have, don't, don't have to take a side on it. Just say like, is it really, is it really worth this war of attrition? It might it cost, cost us, us a lot more than, than what can be gained game. by like fighting this to the better end. And sometimes it's better to just like move on. Ten spaces. <laughs>